Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Thanks for joining me today, whether you're catching the show live or in archive. Again, welcome. For a brief moment or two about me, in case this is your first uh, catch-up show. Uh, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a professional astrologer and navigational consultant. I work with all kinds of different oracles. Uh, I have a home office in Phoenix where I do private sessions with clients as well as by phone all over the country, somewhat the world too for that matter, um, here and there. Uh, information about my services can be found at jimventura.com. I am also a uh, columnist, and this is uh, one of my column live column read shows. I do a column called Snake Oil every two months. Uh, if you're not already getting my column, email me at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com. Uh, again, all this information you can usually find on my website or even on here at Blog Talk Radio. Get added to the newsletter mailing list. Uh, here's your discount on personal sessions and options for uh, discounted uh, reading specials I do from time to time and, and just great information in terms of the column. So uh, it's free, so you're welcome to that. Um, uh, publisher of a couple different books, and of course, I'm pretty media savvy right now too. I've got a TikTok where I'm doing stuff about animal totems, and Instagram is largely astrology, and uh, my YouTube channel is Jay Ventura Snake Oil, and and that's a great channel with all kinds of different 10 minute videos about once a month on different metaphysical subjects. Okay, sales stuff aside, this is uh, my live column read, so I'm going to read a column today. I'll talk about it with more detail once I finish. Um, I will not be taking live calls for today's show. Uh, I always appreciate the calls, but uh, with column reads, I generally don't have time to uh, take live calls unless they're connected with the subject matter at hand. We have a little extra time, but generally I'm not able to do that during column read shows. Um, So um, one thing I mentioned before I read the column and we go from there is, um, you know, I had a, a hard time even logging on that the clock was ticking today for today's show, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't get into the studio on my computer to, to log in. And uh, I finally figured it out literally like one minute before the show started. So <laughs> look for the hair of the chinny-chin-chin. So uh, brief mention that we are in the last week of Mercury Retrograde, and uh, it has been a doozy, uh, Mercury Retrograde in Gemini. Uh, I mentioned a little bit about this on Instagram and a few uh, Facebook posts about this as well. So it has been uh, very, you know, classic Mercury Retrograde with stupid um, delays with computers and banking and, and communication and all kinds of stuff. But, um, you know, again, I briefly mentioned this a little bit on Facebook. This is actually be the subject of today's show but, um, you know, the, the Mercury retrograde is about how we think, communicate, express ourselves. And this one, again, was in Gemini. So, you know, brief note on that. Um, you know, for a lot of people, it was um, either you doing this yourself or getting it from other people. Uh, they walk hand in hand often. And that is um, questioning the way you think, the way you communicate, the way you express yourself, uh, whether you're doing that, quote, unquote, correctly. Um, you know, people have different ways they they view uh, uh, how other people communicate and express themselves. Um, I have a, a bunch of friends from a metaphysical group that I typically go to, and um, 
And, you know, I, I find sometimes they're wonderful people, but I find sometimes that they're uh, overly critical of the way that I communicate and I speak. Occasionally it's helpful. Other times I kind of call it like um, the clutching of the pearls. Oh, you shouldn't say that, Jim. You know, that's a negative words and, you know, and, uh, you know, always seems to be from the peanut gallery that are, are not generally writers or public speakers or communicators that seem to be pretty knowledgeable, apparently, in their own heads. So I kind of went through a bit of that, and it's, it's altering my path about certain people I want to communicate with and, and be around. And um, and the flip side, because Gemini is about duality, I had um, some wonderful, beautiful comments from clients writing me telling me how much they appreciate my column and and at my gym you know I had this one gentleman who's a boxer that was just so he's like oh I love talking to you you're so smart and real and funny and it's like a really a lot of interesting kind of dual feed and that's what I would mention now Gemini is about that duality you know I kind of call it that part of us that's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde we all have that and so do other people so, you know, if, you, if you've gone through some similar things, and this is why I talk about this in your own backyard where people are questioning the way you think or communicate, you know, you've got to make decisions about whether that's good for you, whether there's validity in what they're saying or whether it's nonsense and their own perceptions of right and wrong. And uh, that's a big part of what this, this retrograde is about. Um, also, I had mentioned, uh, briefly mentioned this too, that you know, Jupiter a few weeks ago jumped into Aries, so that's going to give a lot of vitality, life force, and, and great energy toward um, new projects, new beginnings, fresh starts, uh, making you push into new territory in your life. Or, you know, jet retrograde Mercury can bring us back to old territory or, or paths that we could have followed that now we may want to follow with excitement. But, you know, sometimes you're going against the grain with Aries, and uh, sometimes it's good to go against the grain what you're meant to do. So I would say in a very positive way, I had some wonderful ideas about a new book that I'm starting to write. I'm very excited about that. It's a very different genre that I normally write in. Um, it's more toward humor. And uh, it's honestly prompted by the, the irritants who are telling me I speak wrong. So uh, great motivation, surprisingly, from the negative. <laughs> and I've had some amazing stuff with clients right now with new projects and new beginnings on their end. So it seems to be happening around me. So, um, you know, if you're interested in setting up a private session, again, that could be done by phone or an office, depending on where you are, information about that on my website. Okay. So I wanted to mention this retrograde because if it's driving you nuts one way or another, always remember the good side of Mercury retrograde is it's reevaluating something, re-looking at something. Again, Gemini is about communication. So uh, briefly touch upon that. Great subject right now uh, in terms of what has been going on. And so now I want to launch into the purpose of today's show primarily, which is, again, live column read and subsequent discussion about that. Um, you know, I, I pulled this column out of the archives. So interestingly enough, I wrote it, I think, back in 2005. I think it was originally published in 2006. I started doing the column late 2003, early 2004. So this is, you know, about two years into the column writing when I began to do snake oil. And uh, it was interesting to, to review this. Um, again, it blew my mind when I think how far back that was already. I've been doing the column for like 17 years now, um, which is, again, just mind-boggling how long 
I've been doing this. Um, and, I, and this was published in, in volume one of Snake Oil that is in print and available on Amazon too, uh, the first uh, couple of years of my column. Um, and it was, I just thought it was so relevant to today as well, and, and I wanted to talk about it. Although I, I had commented in my notes section, if, if you get my newsletter, I usually do added notes. I commented that I think I was a lot more liberal in my philosophy and perspective um, when I had written this by far younger. And I still am fairly liberal. I would say I'm very socially liberal and, and much more fiscally conservative. But, um, you know, I've grown and adapted in that way as well, too, as many of us do when, when we get older. Um, so I see things a little bit more from the middle ground in terms of political and, and, and things of that nature. And, of course, as usual, I had two people get mad at me and unsubscribe to my column because they were extreme on the left and uh, trust me, I've also gotten that from people extreme on the right, and uh, I largely don't care. But <laughs> anyway, I had a little of that go down the pike, but this is uh, realities for public speaking and communication and writing. People come to me and I gotta like you. And, uh, but it was an interesting run over of this column. So let me read it so you kind of know a little bit more about what I'm talking about in case you have not already read this or heard it. So uh, this is my May-June column and it's called, uh, my May-June snake oil column, and it's called Be Afraid. Be very, very, very afraid. As I began to pull out of my parking space, I noted uh, I normally park in at my condominium home. A young man in a van next to me motioned me to roll down my window. He said, I noticed that you sometimes leave your car windows partially open. You may not want to, uh, you may want to be more cautious about doing this. My car was broken into last week, and I took my stereo. I nodded a thanks for the warning gesture as I drove away. I remembered that the guy who parked on the other side of me had his car broken into weeks before. I felt a wave of panic run through me as I imagined my car being stolen and broken into. What if my car were to experience the same fate? Finances were already tight, but what I do with my insurance rates increased. I remember the time 10 years ago when my car was stolen. Suddenly I felt as if it were happening all over again, and I began to feel afraid. That day, my fear tape only lasted about 15 minutes as I realized I had nothing to fear. The car that was stolen from me 10 years ago was a Chevy Blazer, and there are practical reasons why it's more common for car thieves to steal trucks. My car now is a Chevy Cavalier, which is a, is a factory model stereo. I bought this economical car, because I wanted a comfortable, inexpensive car that would be less likely to attract the attention of a thief. Even if my car were stolen, I would deal with that when it actually occurred. I decided that I would not waste valuable time and energy worrying about something that might or might not ever happen. Two days before this incident, I received an email from a client who was in a state of panic. Someone had broken into her daughter's apartment and rifled through her things. Although nothing seemed to be taken, she and her daughter were terrified that it could occur again. Psychic in the area told her that the perpetrator was the man across the street who had been watching her daughter. As she felt this was an accurate assessment, they both felt powerless and could not stop worrying about the situation. What if the unthinkable occurred and tried again and the daughter happened to be there? They often remind my clients that what we fear might happen is almost always far worse than any difficult experience we ever actually endure. We waste valuable life, force, time, and energy stressing and worrying about 
possible future disasters. How will I survive financially if I leave this loveless marriage? What if my family disowns me when they find out I'm gay? What if I never find the right mate and end up alone? People are getting laid off all around me. How will I survive if I lose my job? What will happen if I get sick? The list of things to dread is endless. You all encounter difficulty from time to time. Occasional challenges are part of life in a physical body. Thankfully, most of our imagined worst-case scenarios rarely come to pass. Real problems and difficulties are never really the issue. Being caught in the grip of fear is a real battle to resolve. Fear takes many forms and guises. I remember years ago spotting a bumper sticker on a car that said, Fear God. I was horrified by this suggestion. This old-school mentality of a vengeful, wrathful God and valiant to me. I see no connection between fear and God. Currently, we're all being bombarded by fear at a national level. Politically right conser- right-wing conservative religious groups and the media have reminded us that our country is going to hell in a handbasket if we become morally bankrupt. Gay marriage threatens to destroy the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman. We need to, re- to stop the bloodthirsty heathens in the Middle East at all costs. We need to retaliate for what was done on 9-11. We need to act as police of the world. Spreading democracy at any cost will save the world and keep us safe. Individual groups of people who sit things in very black and white terms often feel they have a right to take actions at any cost, and the results are often disastrous. The idealist who sees things as they should be can at times be pushed to extreme action until they ought to have a right to do it for the greater good. Globally and personally, we're constantly sold fear. We pay for insurance for our homes, our cars, our medical needs, lots of jobs, etc. Fear is so built into our culture that we don't see how we deal with this by spending tremendous sums of money to protect ourselves from theoretical disasters. Fear is such a hot item that people are buying it in bulk. Will your next letter have anthrax in it? The tape over your windows to survive a nuclear assault from terrorists. Cold and flu commercials remind us constantly that we will get ill. You must get a flu shot if you don't want to get sick this year. Allergy season is here again. Make sure you have your medicines well stocked. There are endless sources of fear programming all around us. In Lakota tradition, fear of the unknown is represented by a supernatural spirit called Iktomi, or the spider. He is a deceiver that weaves the threads of our fears and builds webs that stare the unsuspecting. There are several stories about how Iktomi changes into a human and tricks people. But the spider inevitably makes foolish mistakes and reveals its true character. Perhaps this is the reason why many people are terrified of spiders. Watching a full-grown man or woman run screaming because they found a spider in the bathroom is comical. Yet at times we do exactly the same thing. We allow fear to control our actions. We are trapped in an illusory web of our own making. In the process of creating our lives, we re-energize what we fear the most. Individually and in mass, we literally bring what we fear to ourselves. Until we can become neutral about what we're afraid of, fear will continue to control us. Each time even one person conquers fear and sees it for the lie that it is, the world lights up a little bit more. There's nothing to be afraid of except for generating fear-based thoughts and actions. 
I reminded my client and her daughter to focus on not being afraid of what could happen. If she sees this man who may have broken into her apartment, she should look him squarely in the eye. She will see him crumble when she shows that she is not afraid and see him for the spider that he really is. She's a powerful young woman and she is safe. You all have the power to not be afraid. No one or one thing can take away our personal power unless we give them permission to. Okay. So that's the column. Looking back on this, I actually wrote this in late 2004, get myself correct here. Um, and, uh, and again, when I was, you know, I, I generally do about five new columns uh, a year, and then I usually do a, a rerun, <laughs> so to speak. Um, you know, this one had been quite a while since I had run it, obviously, so most people have not read it. Um, and I thought, of course, you know, it couldn't be more apropos to what we've been dealing with in, in you know, even multiplied even more now, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, when this was written, again, we were just a couple of years out of 9-11. And, you know, there were a lot of questionable things that were done um, that really were fear-based. Um, I would mention understandably so with some of it. But... Uh, you know, if you're too young to have been old enough to have gone through that, I got to tell you, that was some really scary stuff in the U.S., especially if you lived in New York. I had family and relatives that, that lived there at the time. Um, you know, it's hard to explain how scary that, that, that really was at that time, but it was all over. Um, I was in Las Vegas when 9-11 happened, and uh, – that was an ordeal in its own right, getting out of Las Vegas and, and coming back home. And, and uh, I can go on about that. I think I've probably talked about that before or written about it. But, uh, you know, what to me struck me was some of the things that we did uh, because of that fear. And without getting into a lot of detail about that, uh, we did that somewhat collectively with COVID. Uh, you know, from the beginning, uh, when COVID came along, uh, you know, I'm not a COVID denier by any means. People were got sick from this, and people died from it, and and there was it was not a pleasant uh, uh, ride, you know, by any means. But so much was drummed up to create fear that you know I can go on about this, but um, I, I knew this from the beginning when it started that um, that you know this would be sold in a way, um, to, to profit and, and to keep people subjected and afraid and all the more fearful, and that would be done at, at multiple levels in society. And then it, it was handled by people personally. Um, I had friends and people that stopped talking to me, you know, when, when COVID came along. They hid in their homes and, 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 and were irritated by my take on how I perceived this. Um, and again, it was never denial part of me about it. I recognized it was real, but I understood the reality of me getting it was slim. And I was within reason going to go on with my life and live my life accordingly uh, without that much dramatic change because, uh, you know, I figure I'm only going to get 87 years or 93 years or 86 years or whatever I'm going to get. And I'm not. That had two years of hiding in my home. Is that for a couple of months? And, and then that was enough for me. 
again, much to the chagrin of others, uh, that perceived me as spreading my, my illness all over the world and complete nonsense. Um, anyway, side note, thankfully through the majority of that, although now, of course, uh, the, the, the next year, I think, on the horizon is the monkeypox. And, um, and, and there's still a lot of fear drummed up around COVID. It's not gone, um, but uh, that's a whole other subject. And let's get this, take this to another place, more personal. Again, because there were societal fears and people are going to take their different postures on that. They're going to argue. They're going to fight about that. But, you know, what happens when we look at this in our own backyard? You know, I've always said that there are two types of fear. There's good fear, and then there's BS fear. So, you know, good fear is, you know, that internal part of us that, that thinks twice and is cautious in a healthy way. Um, if you're a, a woman or even a man and you're in a, in a area of town or a parking garage and there's no one around and, you know, you're about to get in an elevator and the guy or the person in the elevator makes your skin crawl and you're a little nervous, yeah, you know, pretend you're taking a cell phone call, you know, when we walk back to the office real quick, you know, uh, this healthy safety and healthy caution, you know, taken to its extreme, this can be a problem. There's a general rule of thumb, you know, you know, in the most simplistic way, most men know this. I'll use a humorous example of this. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a guy and there's a much bigger, stronger guy and he's even being a bit of an ass, you know, probably – within reason, know when to back down. It's not worth the battle, uh, depending on the circumstance. If he's being extremely obnoxious and difficult, you might have to sort of jump in. Interesting animal totem connected with that, by the way, which is a fox. And uh, I think I've written about that before, too. Uh, fox represents being strong in counsel and being able to negotiate things. Sometimes you have to. But as a general rule of thumb, if a guy's bigger than you, even if he's a dope, you just kind of walk away from it, you back down. There's no reason to get your, you know, your, your butt kicked unnecessarily. It's just pecking order of reality in that sense. So I would use that as an example of healthy fear. You know, healthy fear is, you know, not having shots when you're out and you have to drive home and you've had three drinks and you're already, you know, uh, a bit drunk. Um, you know, hopefully you're pounding down water at that point. But if your friends are offering shots, maybe the fear comes up that you're going to get DUI. Okay, maybe you listen to that sometimes, <laughs> and you'd be practical about it. So th- there's, a, there's value in, in what I call good fear. There's a reason for that. You don't go up and confront a bear, right? Your instinct should tell you that. And that's one of the reasons why, interestingly enough, when people get very drunk, what alcohol does is it masks fear. So what that can tend to do is make one get, you know, I'll tell you what I really think of you and I can drive. And, you know, I mean, the, the drunken mantra of, of, of crazy um, where the fear has been removed. Again, the good fear. Okay. That being said, I don't want to throw all fear out the door. Value it. Problem with that is there is what I call bad fear. Bad fear is the brunt of it, which is the things people tell you you need to be afraid of. The things people tell you to be scared of, often it is sold to us in that sense. Uh, there are 
you know, there is what we call natural guilt, which is when you do something wrong, you do something bad. If you're a functioning, mature old soul, most souls, but especially mature old souls, you know, you know when you've done something wrong. It may take a little while before you get there. Hopefully you know when to apologize or, or own that. Um, but it, it's instinctive. It, it's natural guilt. Then it's what I call artificial guilt, which, of course, is the things that people tell you you should care about. You should care about saving the whales and the dolphins. You should care about, uh, you know, you should care about the war in Ukraine. You should care about gun control. You should care about, uh, you know, the Johnny Depp trial. You should care about, you should care about. Listen, I'm in no way suggesting that we don't have empathy, we don't have caring for for different things in the world, but the practical reality is we can't care about everything and put energy toward rescuing and saving that. If we do, we're, we're, we're useless. We're scattered all over the place. There's so many problems and issues and things that we should care about. So care about the things that are important to you. Don't harm the other things and, and make it worse. You can, you know, but it's okay to be neutral within reason because, uh, there's just so much one human being can do. So, you know, our great example of artificial guilt is, you know, your mother making you come over every Sunday for, you know, because that's what you always do. Well, you got concert tickets for Sunday. Well, I'm not going to be able to make it, Mom. Well, you know, you always come over on Sunday. Well, I'm going to have to miss this Sunday, Mom, um, or we'll make it up to you in another way. No, that's not right. You're hurting your mother. You don't care about me. You don't love me. I'm running the tape of the crazy mom here. Uh, but that's an example of artificial guilt. And there are many examples of it. So we have to kind of navigate through that. It, it can be a little difficult to, to, to maneuver around with that. Uh, again, I was thrust with a lot of that, again, during COVID. Um, you know, I use alternative medicine for, for, you know, for many decades. And if I were to have gotten COVID, I think I had a very mild case of it actually in July of 2020. Um, I would take a different approach than a pharmaceutical resolution. Um, granted, the right of everyone to use a pharmaceutical resolution or another resolution if they need to, but I would have taken a different road to working and healing that, more likely acupuncture and and, um, and herbal cleanses and various other things. Again, no begrudging anyone for their choice, but, you know, I had a lot of people that were mad at me for taking a different angle about that, um, to me, again, an example of artificial guilt, nonsense. You know what I mean? There's, there's multiple ways of, of handling illness and health, and people tend to get caught up in their side. So good to know the difference between natural guilt and artificial guilt. But that being said, you know, I, I think we don't realize how much we're sold fear. I had mentioned some of this in the piece. Uh, it's personal. When I was confronted with the car break-in, it made my mind automatically connect to other break-ins and difficulties, and I started going down that fear-based road, and what if that happens to me? And, you know, um, thankfully, what I, I remind a lot of my, my clients and, and friends of is everything we think does not manifest in physical reality. Believe it or not, you have to work tenaciously at manifesting something negative. Um, you have to work hard at it. Uh, the universe isn't completely neutral. It's, it's geared toward the greater good. It's hard to believe sometimes when you look around you right now after mass shootings and horrible things that go on. But um, generally, it, it takes more energy at a personal and collective 
level to create the negative, but it still can be in, in play. So, you know, again, that's the good news. Not every thought, if you think a negative thought, you have not committed a sin or not, haven't doomed yourself. It's okay to do that. Just, you know, don't dwell in it. Don't stay on it. Don't get, you know, caught in it. I often, you know, say something that sounds so obvious to me, but I don't know, sometimes people don't think of this, but if you have a chronic illness, for instance, you know, you're suffering, you're having difficulty, you've had this for years, you know, it's, it's a reflection of a chronic emotional, psychological belief problem that existed for a long time and that eventually showed up in your body. And uh, a lot of different reasons for that, but I think that's what I mean by chronic. There's a tendency that it's so deeply buried that, you know, it kept coming up for resolution and it was never resolved, and now it shows up as a physical thing. But ultimately, you know, that's the point. We have our personal fears, and it's natural to fear at different points, and it's natural to worry. You know, as an astrologer, you know, people with strong Virgo in their chart, positive pole of Virgo, for instance, as I analyze, I study, extreme ability to be good at things, negative is I worry. So it's a sign that can, you know, sometimes lead itself more toward worry about what could happen. Uh, than other signs, but I mean everybody can do this to different degrees. We've all got Virgo somewhere in the chart as well. But I think that um, you know what's important to acknowledge is we have these personal fears and they come up, and we can get caught in them. And again, if we stay stuck in that, then we're going to possibly create that again in order for us to get ultimately neutral about it. Again, it's not as crazy as it sounds. You may fear, you may be in a relationship as an example, and fear being alone, you know, fear going through a divorce or a breakup and the horror is connected with that. And you may not go through that. You may end up having to go through that. But I always use my, you know, my humorous joke about all exes getting hit with the ugly sticks. And what I mean by that is most people after an ordeal like that are welcoming being alone, welcoming getting away from that person, <laughs> realizing that that was a blessing in disguise, albeit maybe a horrible ride. You know what I mean? And then they meet somebody better or they get to be single for a little while and enjoy that. And, you know, so, you know, again, so much goes toward fear at, at a personal level. I think we have to learn how to catch that in ourselves. And then on top of it, if that wasn't enough, you have this, you know, societal fear that is just rampant. Um, especially with television, radio, and the media. I mean, it is relentless at times. It's funny because when I was in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, um, I had a uh, – I was talking to a, a 30-year-old Australian guy that it's the first time in the U.S. he was there with his uh, troop, if I'm getting the words right, for a couple of weeks that they were, you know, in from Australia. He told me things that were very, very funny. One was that um, – when they're wearing their uniforms, all the, you know, the uh, people in the, in the Vegas and when in the elevator are walking, a lot of times people will stop them and thank them for their service, even though they're not even American, you know, military. And he said that was interesting because he didn't, they don't get that that much in Australia, the way they do it. He thought that was very charming. He also said that Americans um, are, the Australians in general really like Americans, but they find us that to be extremely rebellious. We don't like to be told what to do at all. We're very not complacent. We buck everything that we're, we're forced to do. And in, in, in Australia, a lot of us find that to be very amusing. I love that perspective. Now you're hearing the Sagittarian sun sign part of me come out. I love learning stuff like that. Fascinating. 
But one of the most interesting things that he told me is what is so weird to him was just being in the room and watching how many pharmaceutical commercials for drugs that were on television. He said you almost don't see that you know, at all or very little in Australia, in Europe, and other places that they sell pharmaceutical drugs um, so blatantly on, on television and radio and, and things of that nature. And I, I laughed when he said that because I kind of thought that might be the case. Uh, I have always been bothered by that. Ah, you know I mean, and, and listen, I'm not anti-pharmaceutical. There are things the pharmaceutical industry has done that are amazing and have been incredibly beneficial. I mean, you know, 300 years ago, if you got bit by a snake, you died more often than not. You know, pharmaceuticals have come up with remedies and, and, and things to help with surgery. And, you know, there are people that, you know, are, are benefiting from pharmaceuticals without question. On the flip side, we give this so much power, almost to the point of just exhaustion, where, uh, you know, it's just over the top. I mean, I talk to people that are taking, like, 16 different pharmaceutical drugs, and, you know, and, and it just bores me in that way. And it's, I, I've often pointed this out that, you know, there are multiple layers to how we create something in our life. But when you're bombarded, repeatedly with an illness or a difficulty or, or something, you enhance the possibility of you, quote, unquote, catching it. And, again, this is not as obscure as it sounds. Uh, you know, if you keep seeing commercials for, you know, burgers and, and images of burgers, you know, unless you're full-on vegan or vegetarian, then you're going to gag. <laughs> but if you're a meat eater and you keep seeing commercials for it, you're probably going to start craving burgers, Right. I mean, this is the, one of the ways the media operates. It's not that it's evil. It's just part of the capitalism and, and our culture and the way things operate. So, you know, that's so obvious why you might want a new car. You keep seeing car commercials, and it's cool. And, you know, they used to do this with cigarettes, cigarette ads, and, you know, cigarettes were cool. And don't get me – I can go down a whole road with that. I, I, you know, this whole idea of wiping cigarettes out and tobacco out entirely exhausts me too because I think human beings have a right to choice. Um, I think all things in moderation, but of course most human beings are capable of that. It's a whole other ball game. But still, there is some truth to that. You know, people were so bombarded by, you know, cigarette ads and you know and, and smoking ads that, yeah, it, it can affect people more where they, they want to do it. So, if that's the case, don't you think that endless ads about skin conditions and various other um, pharmaceutical remedies can increase that possibility that you may fall into that category in some ways believe it. Same dynamic with, like, I constantly see commercials for, like, in Arizona, there's an insurance ad for, and their tag is, in a wreck, need a check. (laughs) And, you know, that's great. You you get in a car wreck, you want to, you know, you want to have a good lawyer that helps you out so you don't get screwed over in that sense. But, you know, at another level, I would have to say that, I don't know, man, I see so many of those in a row, and I think sort of unconsciously you might be thinking to yourself, you know, I pay a fortune in car insurance all the time, and I've never gotten anything back from it. You know, maybe it would be great to kind of cash that in. The world's a dangerous place, and, and you know, when people are, are nuts out there and, you know, what if I get into a car accident? And so many different factors in it that, again, being bombarded by it can up the ante for the possibility.
possibility for different reasons of experiencing that. So, you know, we are so, you know, there's so many layers of, of how we are bombarded by this um, all the time. And, you know, I always noted that the amount of cold and flu remedy and ads surface during cold and flu season. And, um, you know, legitimate people tend to get the cold or flu more in the winter, although that seems sort of weird in Arizona since our winter is completely different. Um, but so at some level, there's a reason that that's sold, but at other levels, you have to kind of wonder, is it increasing because you're told you're going to get this? Or is it just that you have more of a possibility of a practical way of getting it? I think they, you know, you can look at that from, from either side and being a bit of both. So, again, you know, to me, when COVID was in play, you know, we were bombarded with this you're 24-7 on the news if you're going to get this. And the only way out is vaccination. And the truth is, if you were vaccinated, that didn't necessarily get you out either. And, I mean, and, and so, again, the same dynamic was going on in an extreme way. And, you know, there are countries that um, don't have very strong media influence that had minimal to nearly non-existent uh, influences of COVID in the last two years. Uh, they weren't sold it in the same way. So, again, I'm, I'm not going down conspiracy roads here that, uh, you know, men twizzling their mustaches and, ha, ha, ha. There may be some truth in some of that. That's not even the reason I'm getting at that particular angle. I'm pointing out that we're bombarded by fear sales all of the time. And I think it's important to recognize that. You know, when I watch television and, you know, like I used to watch CNN and MSNBC a bit more a couple years back during the Trump years. I rarely watch those stations anymore. It it feels as extreme to me as, as some of the, commentators on Fox News, it's almost like the left version of the extreme, and Fox is the right version of the extreme. You know, it's all fear programming. You know, it's not that there's some, not some good in there. Um, CNN makes great documentaries about uh, entertainment field and <laughs> various things. But in terms of the opinion news, not only are you getting bombarded by an opinion about something, often what you should be afraid of and what makes you a good person or not a good person, depending on what you believe. But the, the ads that run on commercials are just mind-boggling. Um, with many of those stations, you know, I see three, half of them are pharmaceutical ads and various other fear-based programming. And, again, not putting that there's some value in pharmaceuticals, but, you know, it's, it's relentless. When you, when you watch these, when you're paying attention to it. The one suggestion I always make is, like, I often record television so that I can fast forward through the commercials. Uh, you know, if an interesting commercial comes out, I'll pause and I'll, I'll watch it. If it's something I'm interested in, but generally I just well through them. Or I often will, when, when these negative programming commercials come on and I haven't recorded it, I just mute it, you know, until it passes. Don't listen to it. I'm not going to have this drilled into my brain that I'm going to get sick and I need check from a wreck and I need you know, all these other things I've bombarded with. Um, I steer away from it. Just in the same way you would steer away from negative, you know, icky people. Icky. <laughs> uh, I wrote a column years ago called Icky Sexuality, talking about how people get so upset about 
sexuality that's not their own, and they think it's icky. So I still laugh when I hear that word, icky. But, um, you know, we, 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 there's certain times we have to look at certain people and things around us that we can accept them the way that they are, love them anyway, but that doesn't mean that we hang out with them. You know, uh, there's a guy at my gym who I, I love to talk to. He's an older gentleman in his early 70s, and he's really cool. But politically, he's, like, so far to the right. At times, it's exhausting. Um, and he's also a bit of a racist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sometimes he'll say stuff that I'm just like, oh, God almighty. You know, and I laugh, but I don't get into combat with him. This is areas where we can talk and have a little chat and he's funny and he's amusing and I've always been able to do that for the most part. Unless someone's really extreme and then I have to kind of get away from them. But it's just a gym guy I talk to once in a while. You know what I mean? I don't need to to bring rainbow flags in and, and try to change him or move him away from his stupid ways. Um, you know, if it was someone in my own inner circle that was that extreme, I would have to you know, maybe help them see things a little bit more from a different point of view. Um, or in extreme cases, I, I, I'm going to hang out with them. And that's okay, too. You know, uh, I think of the, what I call the mature soul uh, expression of do it anywhere but here. You know, we don't always have to hang out with people that make us uncomfortable. But I am an advocate for a reasonable tolerance and understand that people are different as well. But again, kind of Summing this back up, um, you know, I, I ran this again because I saw the same dynamic occurring with different details about what we should be afraid of, what we should be scared of, and what we need to do to make us a good person, and what's going to happen to us. And, you know, my, my little sister lives in the Pacific Northwest, and she's terrified of climate change. Uh, you know, I, I know people of different things they're terrified of, and I knew a lot of people that were terrified of COVID. Uh, I wasn't as much. I was practical about it, but I wasn't. But, you know, I don't begrudge someone what they fear and how they express that, but I just remind people, just be aware that most of the things that we fear don't actually happen. Sometimes they do. And then often they're a process of transforming us, that we may have needed to go through that. You know, one of the benefits, of course, of going through something difficult in relationship or life is, I always quote, I call it becoming a little bit more badass. The older you get, the wiser you get. You're either going to become phobic and fearful when you go through difficulty, or you're going to get stronger. Because you handle things, you know. Uh, it's the positive pole of Capricorn. I use, meaning I use the difficulty to make me stronger in that sense. So, again, it has a lot to do with the way you want to view it. But my advice would be, you know, realize that, that people are going to try to sell you their fears on commercials and television and advertising and in your own backyard and, and make decisions about that, about how much you want to invest in that fear and, um, and, you know, and think about it because it really can consume a lot of our energy and a lot of our time. And very so appropriately, how I started off the show with mentioning uh, the Mercury retrograde, you know, if I'm an example of it, as many of my clients and friends went through, as we come to the end of this, I think June 2nd or June 3rd, uh, it goes, uh, is that reminder that people are going to tell you think wrong. You know, you're not doing that correctly. You should think or speak differently. And that's the same vibe, you know. Do we or are they just not getting that we're all different? Okay. 
So that's finishing up our show. Uh, this is why I'm not able to take live calls, as you can see. Once I start babbling about a subject <laughs> uh, and the music column, we generally don't have the time. So if you are uh, interested in any of my services, go to jimventure.com. All the good information is there. If you're not already getting the column, email me at venturesedgeyahoo.com. Excuse me. I'm choking here. Get added to the mailing list. Uh, it's blind copied, so no one ever gets your email address from me or anything like that. Really good about that. It's only every other month, guys. So I have people say, oh, am I going to get bombarded by stuff? I'm like, you're lucky you're going to get it every two months, man. It takes me a lot to get a column done. You know, it's a lot to it. I love doing it, though. So, uh, and, and check out my YouTube channel. I can't stress this stuff. I have a great YouTube channel. Um, it's J Ventura Snake Oil on YouTube. Check out my YouTube channel as well. Love doing the videos. There's some really great videos on there uh, for, for people to learn from and get insight from. Okay, till next time, uh, I'll be back probably next month. And uh, everybody have a great start to the summer, all right? Cheers. <laughs>